Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy uh, Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to NPL Legal Dish. This is my Monday through Thursday live broadcast where I teach business and legal concepts using pop culture and celebrity news. If you are wondering who I am, I am Natalie Pierre-Lewis. I am the host of the show and I am the owner and operator of NPL Consulting LLC, a business formation firm. What that means is I help people like yourself get your uh, business foundation together, get your business paperwork together. So things like getting registered with the state, making sure you have contracts, EIN numbers, DUNS numbers, hello that cushy stuff, um, making sure that you know how to hire employees properly, making sure that you have operating agreements, non-disclosure agreements, service agreements. I help you do all of those things. If you are wondering why I am qualified, I'm so happy that you asked. I'm a licensed attorney, have been one for 14 years and counting. Uh, I have started multiple businesses for myself and others, both online and offline. I've had many careers in the realms of entrepreneurship, the law, education, hospitality, and administrative support. And most important, I am very passionate about making business and legal education as accessible to everyone as possible. Not everybody has the time, the money, or the desire to go to business school or to law school, but a lot of you have amazing business ideas. And if you're going to make it in business, there's just some things that you need to know. There's no way around it. So your girl is here to help you out. All right. Um, so if you would like to work with me to get your business plans off the ground, I had some people in my DMs today asking, you know, what routes there are. I have many options for you. I have my solutions package where I basically give you a PDF document with all of the links and directions and you can kind of do your startup process at your own pace. I have my one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions where you get that PDF document as well as an hour of coaching from me and we do the startup process together. I have tons of eBooks and video trainings that you can get at gumroad.com forward slash MPL consulting firm. Uh, you can also set up a free 15 minute consultation if you are a first time client or grab my free biz launch cheat sheet. You can do all of that stuff at linktree forward slash MPL consulting firm. That's where you're going to find everything that I'm doing, especially the fact that I'm going to be a speaker at the Power of Three Women's Virtual Summit. It is happening July 26th and 27th. It is an online conference that is completely free to attendees. So ladies, you know, get your registration and can't wait to see you there. But that is enough about me. Let's get on to the show. So here is how the show works. I pull stories from the news, stories that you guys send me, stories that I see on gossip blogs, stories that I feel like have value for us as entrepreneurs, as people who want or do run businesses. And um, I pull those stories and we discuss them. So this is a time for us to talk to each other, to get our ideas out there, for you to ask questions. So if you have any comments or questions, don't be afraid to drop them in the comment box. I love when you guys participate. Um, also, don't forget to share this out to your friends. You might not have a business idea, but I'm sure you know someone who does and who could use this information, okay? Um, so yeah, so I, I, I want y'all, I want to hear from you that cushy stuff. It might just be me and you today. All right. You know, we're going to have a one-on-one, -on -one, but that's okay because whether it's one or a million, we are going to get this information out here. All right. So we are going to get started. So the first story that we are talking about this evening, it is, um, another update about 3M. So we have had a few stories about 3M. 
um, over the last couple of weeks of them uh, filing lawsuits against unauthorized vendors trying to sell 3M N95 masks at very inflated pricing. So uh, 3M has been suing these vendors under trademark infringement because these vendors are using 3M's brand to vouch for, you know, the quality of the masks. And 3M, they have a they, they have very strict licenses. Not just anybody can sell 3M products. Hello to the person watching on Facebook. Hello. Um, yeah, so not, not just anybody can sell 3M products. You have to have 3M's permission to sell their products. So 3M finds out that all of these, um, you know, companies and individuals are trying to sell 3M branded N95 masks to government, um, to, to, to government entities and not just selling them, but selling them at highly inflated prices. Um, the first, um, or company that they, uh, that they filed suit against was one called Performance Supply Inc., right? Um, and that is the first in a series of eight lawsuits that, uh, that, um, 3M has going on. They have lawsuits in New York, Florida, California, Indiana, and Wisconsin going on right now. Um, but it see, I think that um, this uh, this first case it might be kind of the example case for the rest of the lawsuits that 3M has filed because they have won this trademark infringement lawsuit against Performance Supply Inc. Uh, the judge, um, the judge who 3M filed this case with, hello, Almazovi Design. He ordered Performance Supply to stop selling um, the N95 masks. Um, and the way that uh, 3M actually found out that Performance Supply was selling unauthorized 3M N95 masks was that Performance Supply, when they contacted city officials about selling them these masks, and the city officials saw that the prices were so high and they were comparing the prices, they actually called 3M and they were like, hey, your supplier is, you know, um, trying to sell us your mask at such and such a price. Are you authorizing this? And that's how 3M found out about it. And these trademark uh, lawsuits started. So 3M has won their first lawsuit against the company in New Jersey that was trying to sell N95 masks at 600 times um, the market price. So we can assume that uh, 3M is going to win the other cases as well because we are in a desperate time and basically these companies are trying to get a leg up on organizations that really need this protective gear. So for those of you who may be out there who may be selling N95 masks because I do see you guys, you may, you're going to want to be careful because these companies are looking out for that, okay? Um, all right, so that was our first tidbit. Our second tidbit that I wanted to tell you guys about, um, I don't know if you guys remember when we talked about the brand Supreme. If you're, uh, if you are a streetwear enthusiast, you know, Supreme is one of those top streetwear brands. Um, and we had a story a while ago about the fact that Supreme has been so busy, um, trying to, uh, secure their trademarks in the United States that they kind of forgot about overseas and a company in China was able to actually establish trademarks in China under the Supreme name. Now, Supreme found out about this and sued them and got this company shut down. 
But now Supreme has, got, has you know, gone even farther and they have filed for their own uh, trademarks in China. So they have their established trademarks. So this can't happen again. So this is a really good step for Supreme in the right direction. They were so worried about, you know, their U.S. contingent that they did not worry about, you know, international problems that might happen. Streetwear is global. People all, all around the world like streetwear. So if you have a brand that you think is going global, you need to think about your international trademarks as well, okay? Now, trademarks, you can either file with the countries that you want to have the trademarks in, or there's also ways to extend trademarks using treaties. Um, but whatever it is, if you know that your brand is going global, you need to protect your brand globally as well, all right? So those were the two tidbits that I wanted to share with you today. Now, before we go into our meteor stories, um, I want to say hello to the people who, who just came in. I also want to remind you guys that you are watching NPL Legal Dish. This is my Monday through Thursday live broadcast where I teach business and legal concepts using pop culture and celebrity news. I'm Natalie Pierre-Lewis. I'm the host of the show and the owner and operator of NPL Consulting LLC, a business formation firm. If you want to find out what a business formation firm does, I want you to go to linktree forward slash NPL. NPL consulting firm. Go snoop around and see what your girl does. She's pretty smart. I got video trainings. I got eBooks. I am speaking at a conference in June that is free for attendees. So ladies go get your tickets. Um, and I've got some freebies for you as well. So you can get a taste of what it is that I do. All right, but let's get back to our stories. Okay. Um, does anybody watching, does anybody watching either from California or Michigan, because the stories that we are talking about, the story that we're talking about next has to do with California and Michigan. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, if anybody here has, uh, Almazo, Almazo V design. Um, what kind of design do you do? Because our next story has to do with fashion. Um, now those of you watching, you may not know, but there is a, a, is a fashion school in LA that is called the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. They have been around for about 50 years. Um, some of their graduates are very prominent. The founder of Juicy Couture graduated from the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. So did Lauren Conrad, who was, you know, one of the stars of The Hills and she went on to have her own fashion brand. And um, fashion fashion icons like Diane von Forstenberg, she sits on the board of the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. So Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, you know, they're no slouch. They, they're, they're big dogs out here in the world of fashion schools, so much so that they went to the trouble of uh, trademarking their, uh, their acronym. So FIDM, Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. They, they went to the trademark office. They said, Hey, this acronym FIDM, it's ours. Can you please say yes? And the uh, trademark office said yes. So Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising has been, you know, using these acronyms, these trademark acronyms for quite some time. Here is the problem. <clears throat> In Michigan, there is a school called Central Michigan University, and they recently started a program called Fashion Interior Design and Merchandising, and they have been using the hashtag 
FIDM to promote their program on social media and other spaces. Now remember, FIDM is a trademarked acronym for the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in Los Angeles, the school that's been around for 50 years, the school that has birthed, you know, big fashion names and has, you know, big fashion names sitting on the board. They're seeing this school way out in Michigan using their 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 hashtag, their their trademark. Hi Trina Mariti. So Central Michigan University, they started using FIDM in their hashtags because of their new fashion program, their fashion interior design and merchandising program. So Fashion Institute of Design Merchandising in LA contacted Central Michigan University. They sent them a cease and desist and they said, hey girl, FIDM, those are trademarked, um, that is a trademarked acronym that is our acronym. So could you please stop using it to promote your fashion program at your Michigan school? And Central Michigan said, no girl, we're not. So um, Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in LA has filed suit against Central Michigan University for using the acronym FIDM as a hashtag because Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in LA has a trademark on it. So my question to you as an audience is, who do you think is right in here? Do you think that the, hi Lil said 82, do you think that the Fashion Institute of Design Merchandising in LA, this 50 year old school, do they have a right to file a trademark infringement suit against Central Michigan University for their new fashion program? Their fashion program that's called Fashion Interior Design and Merchandising just so happens to have the same acronym as this famous fashion school, Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, but Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising does have a trademark. So who's right here? Is it, it is all fair? Toby, come on, man. Is all fair in love and education, or does the Fashion Institute out in LA, do they have a case here? What do you guys think? Because for me personally, I think that they definitely have a case for you to be a fashion school that's been around for 50 years. I'm sure that other um, fashion programs know about this fashion school. And um, if you were here when we talked to uh, Martine Mango of Seedbox Digital, uh, she said that there are no accidents when it comes to design to, to marketing. Um, when you see a brand that looks like another brand, it's on purpose. So in my opinion, I think that Central Michigan University was trying to ride on the coattails of, you know, the fame and the goodwill of the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in LA. And maybe they thought they just wouldn't get away with it. Maybe they just thought that they would get away with it because nobody's really heard of Central Michigan University. I never heard of them before this case. Um, but we will wait and see what happens between Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising and Central Michigan University's new fashion program. Uh, but if you guys have an opinion either on here or on the podcast, if you're listening to the podcast or if you're watching later, just drop your comment in the box. Let me know how you feel about this, okay? Um, and then we are going to move on to our last case for the evening. Um, we are moving a little bit quickly tonight, and that's cool. Um, I actually have a conference that I want, an online conference that I want to attend after this episode. So we're making good time. Um, our next case, um, 
if you are watching right now and you have um, an iPhone, put a one in the comment box. If you are watching right now and you are the owner of an iPhone, put a one in the comment box, okay? And I'm going to tell you why um, I wanted you to do that in just a moment. Um, so we all know that Apple, they are very secretive about, you know, how they make their products, their phones. Um, but we also know that there are companies out there whose very uh, job is to figure out how things are made and to make their own versions of them. Okay. Um, and this is a case of Apple trying to crack down on somebody doing just that. So, uh, Apple has sued a company for, uh, for copyright infringement. Uh, there is a company called Corellium. Um, this company Corellium, they, uh, specialize in software, uh, that produce virtual software. No, sorry. Corellium produces virtual software versions of products. So basically they build virtual prototypes of products like computers, like phones, and they figure out, you know, where are the security holes in there? How does this work? How do we do this? How do we break into that? That is the whole job of this company called Corellium, right? Um, and Apple has sued them for copyright infringement because they said they are accusing Corellium of copying iPhone software to make uh, their programs for testing. And in suing this company whose job it is to figure out how stuff works, Apple has asked um, the court to tell them to show us how you're using this information. So Apple wants to know, hey, Corellium, I, we know that you have taken our, our software and you're trying to do stuff with it. We want to know exactly what it is that you're doing. What are you doing with our schematics? What are you doing with these virtual, you know, mock-ups of our iPhone? Um, and uh, somehow this company Corellium is being backed up by the Department of Justice. Department of, um, not even, not necessarily backed up, but the Department of Justice, high leak of fire, Department of Justice has has inserted themselves into this case. They have asked that a deposition that um, that the request that Apple is making. So remember, Apple is asking Corellium to tell them how are you using our, this information that you have obtained from us. Department of Justice is asking the court to delay that request, but they haven't given a reason why. And we don't even know why the Department of Justice is getting involved in this case between two private companies. So I wanted to bring, um, uh, oh, also, to uh, in terms of Apple, Apple says they have pictures that they can show, you know, the, um, that uh, of the stuff that they feel like Corellium has used, but they want the government to assure them that they're not going to leak this information, and they haven't gotten that from the from the from the DOJ as well. So my question to you guys is: Why is Department of Justice getting involved in this um, in this legal battle between two private companies? What stake do you think that the Department of Justice has 
in getting involved in this case between Apple trying to protect, you know, the, 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 the inner workings of its iPhone and Corellium, this company whose job it is to figure out how stuff works and how they can break into it. Why do you think the Department of Justice is interested? I have my own opinions, but I want to hear y'all's first. I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist myself, but, um, I don't, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a case, um, not a case, but there was an incident not long ago where a gentleman, um, he committed an act of terrorism and they had his iPhone, but they couldn't get into it. And they were asking Apple to break into the phone so that they could figure out what this guy was doing and Apple refused. So for me and my conspiracy theorist self, I'm thinking that Department of Justice has been working with Corellium to figure out how can we break into iPhones when, you know, without having to go through Apple because I don't remember how eventually they did it, but they found some way to do it. I don't know. But that's just me. That's that's my guess. That's my that's my theory. But you know, I I also you know believe in aliens and stuff. So who knows? And I also please government don't come take me away in the middle of the night. I have things that I would like to keep. <laughs> but yeah. But what? Why do you think the Department of Justice wants to get involved in this case between two private technology companies? Hmm. Y'all so quiet tonight. What's wrong? Did I do something to you? What happened? Um, but yeah, but, um, that's my opinion as to why they're doing it. I think that they're trying to figure out how can we break into iPhones more easily. Um, but I would love to hear your opinions. So, uh, we have a quiet crew tonight and that's okay because not every day is meant to be a jumping party. But, um, those were the stories that I had for you. Um, if you have any questions, you can feel free to drop them. But it seems like we are a little bit on the quiet side tonight. And that's okay. Um, I will be back here tomorrow with more stories. Tell your friends about me. I will be putting out, you know, the reminders. If you find any stories that you would like to talk to, that you would like me to talk about on the show, please, please, please send them. I always enjoy hearing from you guys and seeing what excites you. Um... Don't forget to register for the Power of Three Summit if you uh, are a lady who would like to be empowered and educated. Uh, and don't forget to go to Linktree forward slash MTL Consulting Firm to see all of the fun, nerdy things I do, okay? So I'm going to leave y'all here. We're going to be back here tomorrow. Tell your friends, come with some energy so we can get this on and popping, all right? Good night. Bye.